and welcome back to the Second City podcast. My name's Callum, and as always, I am joined by Daniel. Dan, hey, how's it going? Good weekend? Uh, uh, Daniel, very formal. Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing <laughs> that again. Me, you never called me Daniel. <laughs> um, yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, very, very good weekend. Um, yeah, how about you? Yeah, not too bad. I I played five-a-side and then have just rested my aches and pains for two days. Fair enough. Um, I, um... That's been it. Very good. Uh, I went to uh, meet one of my blues heroes this weekend. I must say. Um, yes, you I was, did. I was telling you about. I um, I've just got the photo back here. That's me and uh, Stephen Carr. I went to an evening with Stephen Carr on Saturday night. It was pretty cool. Um, good night out. Uh, obviously a blue blues captain when we won the Carling Cup. And um, yeah, just a really good night. Good laugh and everything. So um, got me thinking though, who's the uh, most famous you've must have met a few footballers cal who's the most famous villa player you've met and Ooh. if it's a different answer the most famous footballer you've met in general doesn't have to be one think... maybe if you've got a few i don't think i've met any villa players i've met martin o'neill a couple of times that's pretty good that's pretty good and you uh... never met any villa players <clears throat> i don't think so none that oh. not that it comes to mind um I had a great experience with Martin O'Neill and he was always really good with me going back to like 2010, 2009. Mm. Um, so we did, so um, BRMB or Tom Ross's old station anyway. Free radio. They, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So they, they did like an evening with Martin O'Neill. Yeah. That's what um, this sort of thing was. Yeah. Yeah. For, they did it for like three out of his four seasons, I think, or he might even have done it for all of them. And um Anyway, the one we went to, it's when we were in the UEFA Cup and John Carew uh, didn't play because he'd been out clubbing the night before. <laughs> and I remember I'd like misheard on the on the Channel 5 coverage as to why he was out and I'd heard he was injured. But obviously the rumours were that he was partying and that's why he wasn't in the squad. So I asked Martin O'Neill, why didn't John Carew play? Because <laughs> sure. my dad said he was out partying all night, but I thought he was injured. <laughs> and Martin <laughs> O'Neill like, laughed it off and it was a really funny moment. Oh, that's nice. Fast forward 12 months. We did, we're at the next event. This one was at the Cadbury Club. So oh. It was literally like around the corner from, yeah, yeah. from mum and dad's. And uh, anyway, they sort of paused like the interview halfway through because they're talking about how the last one won an award. And uh, Martin O'Neill then goes, oh, and this is 100%. This genuinely happened. He goes, is that kid who asked me about John Carew from last year here this year? Obviously I was, so I stood up. And it was really awkward because I was like, just stood up in this whole like, <laughs> sure. hi. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he signed loads of stuff for me over the years. But that that night in particular, he wasn't doing any signings, and like I had a shirt and like a couple of match attacks and things. And uh, so I I we went to the security guard and said, and they were like, no signings, no signings. And we were like, tell them it's for Callum and he'll sign it. Hmm. And he did. And and oh, wow. uh, he wrote to Callum, you're a real hero, Martin O'Neill. And then so we're walking out and I'm buzzing because I got my shirt, my signed shirt, and. Uh, and then all of a sudden there's this hostel around one of the cars and it's Martin O'Neill and uh, he's not doing pictures. And he's just wanted to get in the car. And my dad goes, and it's so my dad, if you've ever met him, he goes, Martin, you have a picture with Callum. And he <laughs> steps out of the car. He had oh, one signed thing that night and one photograph and it was with me. That's, and, uh, that's very nice. So I'd, very love to, I'd love to meet Martin O'Neill again now. Like yeah, 10 yeah. Years later. Oh, we'll have to get him on someday. Hopefully Martin, if you're listening. Martin. This is the Come Callum. On the Second City podcast. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, he uh, it was pretty cool last night. Um, my question for Steve and Carl was if you could play with another blues player before or since 
that you didn't get to play with, who would it have been? Uh, and his answer was Christoph Dugarry, which is a, a good, obviously, uh, not going to argue with that. World Cup and Euros winner, not going to argue with that too much. Um, so it's an interesting question, though, because obviously he arguably played in one of your best teams ever. Yeah, sure. I mean, it was kind of the... I, I wondered if you'd say like Bellingham or something. I kind of specifically wanted it to be like someone you didn't play with. Who would you say? But I suppose Dugary was obviously a little bit before our time, but was like, you know, an outrageous player by all accounts. Um, but yeah, that was really interesting. I find it, I just find it interesting. You like, because I've, um, I've met, I've never met any Blues managers, although I, I was on late kickoff, if you remember that. Uh, it was like a BBC afternoon, evening show. And Gary Rowett was there, but he wasn't the Blues manager at the time. It's before he was at Blues, so I didn't. I, I, uh, I, when he was I, might, I can't remember if I spoke to him. I think like I remember, like he was there. He was on the panel anyway, but I don't. I wouldn't really say I've met him. But a few players met like Roger Johnson, Lucas Jukovic, Craig Gardner, um, Tommy Mooney. Obviously now Stephen Carr. Um, but yeah, no, just uh, yeah, a uh, good night. Um, anyway, going way off track here. Um, FA Cup was this weekend. Uh, it was indeed. And you played again this week, so we can actually talk about... You can actually talk about it a bit <laughs> again. So we'll talk about all that, and then we're going to get into some housekeeping stuff. Blues announced a big deal this week uh, regarding the stadium, so get into that. Some little transfer news. Um, but as always, we start with what we're wearing. So uh, who's going first this week, Cal? Me or you? Do you want to guess mine first, Dan? Sure. Uh, I think I know what it is. Uh... So we've we've got a... Home shirt, claret and blue, Macron, Daffer mm-hmm. there on the front. Very, um, I, I'd say for an Aston Villa home shirt, it's quite out there. So it is it is the claret body with the blue sleeves, but it's got these really thin cl- blue pinstripes through the claret body. Um, and then it's got this really nice, well, I say nice, it's got a collar on it, but there's no button. There was never a button to do it up. So it just sort of looks like very open mm. collar. Yeah. Um, what's your guess, Dan? Uh, I'm going to say 20... I reckon it's just before you got relegated, but I know it's not your relegation kit because you said you don't own any kits from that season. Uh, so I'm going to go the season before. I'm going to go 2014-15 home, like sort of Paul Lambert era. Oh, he's hit the nail oh. on the head. Nice. There's only one thing you were missing. Maybe two things you were missing, though. There was uh, Lambert man, and Tim Sherwood. Oh, I was going to say, I was. Oh, yeah, you got to the cup for FA Cup that year? And the yeah. FA Cup final, yeah. Is that why? Is that coincidence? Is that why you're wearing this shirt? It, it is. It is another FA Cup <laughs> thing to get this year. Nice, nice. Very good. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, this is the home shirt from the year we got to the cup final. Um, the only FA Cup final that um, I remember us playing in. Obviously, there was a, there was the one in 2000, 2000 which we were yeah. alive for, but I I can tell you for a fact I don't remember that. Um, so yeah, a really cool experience. So I've done the FA Cup semi-final. I think we've done, I think I've done two FA Cup semi-finals, but we obviously beat Liverpool in this shirt, which is probably the highlight of the season. Uh, one of the highlights of my supporting career, if you can call it that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of the best games career. I've been to. <laughs> so yeah, I know. Life as a fan. My yeah. career as a fan. <laughs> um, and the other one was in 2010 when we lost, I think it was 3-0 to Chelsea. Um, I think they beat Portsmouth in the final. Um, yeah. We never had a kick. Never had a kick that day. So, um, not a great season. Like I, Paul Lambert's era came to a, an end when we, I think we lost two 0 to Hull in the January, and he was sacked after that. But 
the Lambert era in general was never great. It wasn't all his fault, but by the time we were hitting this sort of period, it just wasn't working anymore. Um, and the football was bad. I mean, we used to play some crap football. We were terrible around this era. I think we finished 17th in the end this season. Um, obviously, we did lose. I think on the penultimate game of the season, we got smashed by Southampton. Sadio Mane scored the quickest ever Premier League hat-trick. And then on the final day, I think we lost to Burnley 1-0. Danny Ings got the winner. So we are in really bad form going into the cup final, which we got battered in as well so the warning signs for the next season were all there and that was before we got rid of our entire spine of the team so obviously you know that's someone we lost Vlad, Delft, Benteke um, but I'd say this is the Jack Grealish breakthrough era shirt so this is when he really broke into the team especially under Tim Sherwood and um, yeah not, not probably not the best shirt you'll ever find but one which holds quite a lot of memories. That that game against Liverpool was just insane. Um, they were heavy favourites. Obviously, if they'd have beaten us, the final was on Steven Gerrard's birthday, and we could cause a big. You know, we were we were just meant to roll over and lose so that you know the TV companies could have Steven Gerrard's retirement game, the FA Cup final. Is that what it was Maybe meant this... to be? Like, was that what they was kind of yeah. being billed as? They reckon he would have retired a year earlier if if they'd had the cup. Yeah. Right. Mm. So, oh well, maybe you know Stephen Gerrard and Aston Villa was never meant to be, was it? <laughs> no, never no, meant to be. not a great match. I feel like Stephen Gerrard and most managerial jobs he has isn't, <laughs> isn't a great match to be honest. But we're one to talk. We've had one of our own. Um, yeah. uh, cool. Um, what do you reckon for me? It's a blue, obviously home Lonsdale kit with like a white sort of stripe down the side, and Flyby as the sponsor. It's coming off a little bit. But... God, that it's an old kit. It, the badge looks different as well, so especially the one that's directly behind you. It looks smaller. It doesn't have like um, it's very faint. The newer ones, yeah, they're kind of these older ones are smaller and they're not as well like kind of. I don't know. The dimensions look a little bit off in comparison. The new ones a bit cleaner. I think some of them have like a white outline on them as well. Um, but yeah, what we're we saying. Oh well, this is early two thousands. I feel like I do remember this kit. I, can't, I don't think it's quite... I always say it's like Heskey era, but I always like remember Heskey playing for more than two seasons with you. Um, I'm going to guess somewhere around the 2004 era. You're a little Maybe bit off. 04, 05? This is oh, 2006, 07, this one is. So um, this is our promotion season under Steve Bruce where we went up automatically. Yeah. So this is like Nicholas Bentner, Gary McSheffrey, Seb Larson for Bruce Mwamba. And I wore the away kit of this one about a month or six weeks ago, the uh, like the black and yellow one, if you remember that. Um, so uh, I talked a bit about this season then. It was kind of, um, yeah, we finished second, we started really well and then uh, had a real rut in sort of October, November time. And I think I remember me talking about there was a game where Stephen Clement scored like a really lucky, like deflected shot against yeah. Derby away. <laughs> and we won 1-0 and it just set us on this like mad run. Um, where we went on to, yeah, finish second in the end, beat West Brom 2-0 at home. It's a great memory. Uh, but something I forgot to mention, I think on the previous one, and if we're going to try tie it into an FA Cup theme, maybe I did mention this before, I can't remember, but there's one where we beat, uh, we drew Newcastle 2-2 at home in the FA Cup third round, then went to the replay at St. James's Park and won 5-1 in this kit. That was just like outrageous. Like we were in the championship, they were in the Premier League. 
Um, and another game I definitely forgot to mention. So I'm wearing like a, a larger, but like a newer, larger version here. But um, here next to me, I have my my original, original one, which obviously. Oh wow! Look at that. I, I like. Um, yeah, I got this when I was about yeah nine for Christmas. I remember. Um, but I've got this one as well because it's just a bit easier to show. On the back, there it has written uh, 100 years of St. Andrews, 1906 to 2006. So this was our, yeah, our 100th anniversary of St. Andrews kit. And on Boxing Day, we played QPR at home and we won 2-1. And that was like the big 100th anniversary game. And they got like the whole of the, uh, the tilt and end to hold up like the paper and it spelled out like the 100. And uh, I remember I went to that game with my dad and for the whole first half, the QPR keeper... Uh, just kept having everyone turn their pieces of paper into paper aeroplanes <laughs> for the whole that, first half. It was just like that's, like, that's uh, like the second city derby a few years ago yes. when uh, they gave all the your clappers. fans the clappers. <laughs> it's just not a good idea. Don't give Blues fans stuff. Um, it was brilliant. That's like on the tannoy. They had to keep asking the fans to stop. And like people like weren't really watching the game. Like every time a paper aeroplane was getting like further onto the pitch, people would like. Hey. Um, so yeah, uh, great memories of this season though, and. The only shame was we didn't win the league. We we got promoted with a game to spare. Um, and I think we lost to Preston away the last game in Sunderland. Roy Keane's Sunderland pipped us to the title, which was ridiculous because we were the best team in the league that year, genuinely. Um, but yeah, a lot of great memories. It's kind of that age, sort of 9, 10, when you're kind of really obsessed with it and that, or that obsession really kicks in, sort of. Um, so yeah, 2006-7, home is this one. Into the football then. Yes, uh, you played first this weekend. You played on Friday night. Obviously, FA Cup fourth round this weekend. So, yeah, it's our, the long-awaited return to the FA Cup fourth round, hmm. and I, we enjoyed it so much. We're going to do it all again next week. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we had Chelsea on Friday night. Not the easiest draw I think we could have had, and while Chelsea have really struggled in the last 12 to 18, 18 months, they've kind of picked up a little bit in recent weeks and their home record actually hasn't been too bad. While they've really struggled for points, they haven't dropped many at home. You know, you think Arsenal didn't, haven't won there this season. Liverpool haven't won there either. Uh, Manchester City didn't win there as well. So not an easy ground to go to, even though Chelsea are a bit rubbish. Um you know, on a on a on another day in the FA Cup fourth round, there'd be no VAR. I'd, I'd be standing, sat here, going, "Well, we won one nil," but alas, you know, VAR was there, and the correct decision was was there to rule out the Douglas Luiz goal. Um, although it is quite amusing that it's been ruled out for handball, but no Chelsea player was appealing for that. They were appealing for an offside, and it wasn't an offside at all. So they were kind of lucky it was ruled out, I suppose. And if you had like a tennis challenge based system and like it's offside, rule it out. But, sure. But yeah, that's something for another day. Um, I didn't think we played too badly. Um, we were not the better team in the first half, especially after the disallowed goal. We did really struggle. Um, but the second half, it just felt like a matter of time until we were going to score and we just couldn't quite find the back of the net. Um, so three word match review will be another clean sheet because, Dan, we have not conceded a goal in 2024. Wow, that's mad. In how many games? Three, four? Three. Three games. Even so, even so, it's not bad. So it's been, you know, if you think about the back end of the of 2023, we obviously let two goals in at Burnley, three at Manchester United. 
And then, you know, we were just weren't keeping clean sheets. I was coming on here every week and going, God's sake, can we keep a clean sheet? And now we've got three in a row. So, um, you know, that's mostly thanks to my man of the match as well, which was Emmy Martinez. Um, no player really stood out, but Chelsea had a couple of good chances and he made some good saves and kept us in it as he always does. And um, so I will give it to him. Um and so if I was to grade the performance as well, I gave the Everton game a C. So it's probably on par with that. It's a very similar game. We had a disallowed goal and just couldn't find the winner. So I'm going to give it a C again. So we've not been spectacular into 2024, but I think the next week or so we could really pick up some some momentum. And I'm really optimistic for the next few games that are to come. Very good. Uh, when's the replay? Is it going to be a week on Tuesday or Wednesday? Maybe? So it's not... Yeah, it'll be a week on Tuesday, I think. So the no, no ticket details have been released yet, um, cool. but almost certainly. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into the, into the housekeeping as well. Where yeah, you'll already know, but I'll tell you who we've got in the fourth round. Very good. Uh, fifth round, if we win. <laughs> if you win. I actually don't know, so that'd be interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, and the reason I don't know is because I didn't watch the draw because uh, yeah. uh, Blues are out, sadly. Uh, we've never won the FA Cup. Um, and 2024 will not be that year either. Uh, maybe we, next year, maybe next year. Um, uh, because we lost 3 0 away at Leicester, uh, who are obviously top of the championship. Uh, like we always draw championship teams, so you know, like try and get excited for the cup competitions, but we just always draw. Like, it's been, I feel like it's been a long time since we had like a really exciting draw, but um, 3 0, I, I think, flattered Leicester a bit. I said last week it kind of felt like a free hit almost because it's like, it, you know, Mowbray's coming in. We really need to just stabilise the league. And I, I'm not normally one to say prioritise the league and the league only because I think the cup is there for a reason. But it really, like, Mowbray's really only been there a few games. If we lost, it's not the end of the world at all um, against, the, you know, a team that are running away with the championship. Um, but 3 0 is mad because at, at half time it was 0 0. And I have no idea how, how it was 0 0. We were on unreal in the first half. I don't know if you've seen some of the chances we had. We should have been 3-0 up ourselves at halftime. We were outstanding in that first half. Leicester literally couldn't get out of the, their final third. It was unreal. Stansfield had uh, hit the post. Dembele had a great chance right before halftime. Keshi Anderson was all over them. Genuinely, we were outstanding. We, we looked so up for it and we did everything but score. So obviously, ninety seconds into the second half, Jamie Vardy scores. Obviously, that's just you know it's inevitable. It was, it was. We didn't play anywhere near as well, but we played Leicester away in the FA Cup fifth round in twenty twenty, and that was another game where we we played really well, and it it just stank of like oh, Leicester are going to score here. It's going to be one of them. Um, and once they got the first goal, they really asserted themselves a lot more in the game. We weren't out of it completely, but the quality showed like. As well as we played in the first half, Leicester are a better team, a much better team. And they've got players, their second string team is better than most first string teams in the championship. And you know who was unreal? It pains me to say it. Uh, Markle Brighton, he absolutely, absolutely shredded us. Him and Vardy, that's a, it was a proper like 2015. A throwback, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 2016 vibe. Um, so yeah, and then they added a second and third. And they had another one ruled out for offside, uh, in between the first and second. I haven't seen it back, but to me it looked onside. So we were maybe, a, or it looked like he was in line. So probably should have stood from what I saw. But, um, so I can't complain. 
disappointing, but it's one of them. Um, I think it kind of, again, we're seeing, I think I mentioned when I was reviewing the whole game, the replay, the difference between like our starting players and our second string players. Mowbray went with a, a stronger starting, a much stronger starting 11 this time. Um, but when we made subs, we're bringing on players. I'm not, Tyler Roberts, for example, he's barely played for us. I'm not criticizing him, but he's certainly not up to the level yet of like, you know, being a, a top championship player for us yet by a long way. We're bringing on like Mark Roberts and like Ollie Burke and stuff. And it's like, you know, these are not players I'm a huge fan of, if I'm honest. And I actually thought Mark Roberts within 90 seconds of coming on was out of position for the goal. Um, so yeah, is what it is. So because of all that, as well as we played in the first half, we lost 3-0, so I'm going to score it like a D. I'm going to grade it a D. I feel like I really can't go higher than that, can I, even if we did play well? Um, no. You know who my man of the match would be, though? Uh, Ivan Sonjic. He's, he's, he, on the whole, he's been good this year, and I thought he's just loads of energy, really on it with the press, really contributing. He is a walking yellow card, but he really, he really does put a shift in for the team. And he's not one to shy away from a tackle. And I appreciate that. And I thought he showed that in, in the game. Um, let Leicester know that uh, they were in a game with us. And my three-word match review then would be um, unlucky. Never mind. <laughs> as rock and roll as that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a shame. I'd love, to, I'd love us to go on another cup, a proper cup run. It's been, we haven't made it to the quarterfinal since 2011. Um, that's a long time especially seeing as we did it quite a few times in that period, like just before that. So not this year, but I think hopefully, I feel like I say it's every year, but hopefully if we can stabilise over these next few years under these new owners, we can start prioritising cup runs as well, because that'd be great. But yeah, on to the next one. And another year without the second City derby. I know, yeah, I know. Although I'm not too sad about it right now, (laughs) to be honest. I feel like I wouldn't be too... Of all the years to avoid, yeah, this is probably a good one. (laughs) Shall we move on to a little bit of goings on outside of the matches themselves this week? Yes, uh, we'll do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, Obviously, um, about an hour after we finished recording last week, uh, Villa announced the signing of uh, Kostal Nadjelovic, who who he said, we don't have any information on, but he might be signing like an hour before. So um, he signed. Den Donker has left on loan to Napoli with an option to buy. What a great move Mm. for him. Yeah, wicked move. He's going to be in the Champions League round of 16. I was going to say, they've been unreal the last few years, haven't they? Yeah. So that's a great move for him. And I think it's a 9 million euro option to buy. So, I mean, if that gets, that's that's a good return, really. So we've only really spent like 6 million on him, really, then. So that's not too bad. Um, And the other thing is the FA Cup. So should we beat Chelsea at home uh, a week on Tuesday or Wednesday when they announce the television details i assume it'll be on telly this time um we will be playing either leeds or plymouth at home so a favorable draw mm-hmm. um at home which would put us in a great chance of getting to the quarterfinals of the fa cup so price it right villa do not charge 35 quid or something stupid make that if we make villa park a full house and get it rocking then we could have a nice little FA Cup run. And the last time we had an FA Cup run was the year we got to the final, which was this season. So let's do it again. Fair enough. Um, could be a pretty tasty atmosphere if it's Leeds as well. Uh, obviously, a bit, yeah. of, 
bit of history there. Been a few years. Oh no, wait, no, it's only been about a year since you played. But even so, be a feisty game, I'm sure. Um, with Blues on the transfer front, so there's been a few rumours about uh, Sunderland winger Alex Pritchard. Obviously, there's a bit of a connection there between him and Mowbray. But the real um, sort of uh, this may actually have been announced by the time this episode goes out. I'm because I'm very confident it will be uh, a definite Blues are. Apparently, all set to sign a South Korean centre midfielder uh, called Seung Ho is his surname. I'm not sure how to pronounce his first name. It's spelt P A I K. Uh, Seung Ho is his name. Um, he, yeah, centre midfielder for the South Korean national team, and he's currently playing in South Korea. He actually uh, doing a bit of research on him. He actually scored at the World Cup against Brazil in the round of sixteen. And he came through like Barcelona's academy and so on. Uh, then didn't quite cut the mustard there. Moved away, found himself back at Girona in La Liga, uh, and now he's back in South Korea. And he's um, yeah, by all accounts, a big name in South Korea. So centre mid, and it seems as well like as Bielik has moved more into a central defensive role. We seem to be trying to fill the centre mid role more. Like obviously, Dazelle has come in already. Now this uh, this player. On free transfer as well, going to be a permanent free transfer by all accounts. So it should be interesting to see how Mo, uh, Mowbray slots him in. It seems like he's maybe more of a, uh, I was reading about him, he's a centre mid, but also like a defensive mid, he sometimes plays as specifically. So it seems like maybe he'll be more of a deep blind player that can get the ball and progress forward, which seems to be something that Mowbray is looking to do quickly, like win the ball and get us into a system of moving the ball forward quickly, which as talented a player as Bielik is he didn't really seem to be doing um but until we see him in action uh can't know for sure but the reason we're so confident or I'm so confident is he was actually seen and photographed at the Blues women's game today uh against London City so it looks like it's all it's uh probably going to be announced Monday morning uh most likely um so yeah keep an eye on that one but the real big news uh comes away from transfers so Blues you may remember, Cal, we were, uh, St. Andrews had a name change a couple of years, a few years ago. Oh, yeah, uh, the T Trillion Trophy Asia at St. Yes, Andrews or something? It was the St. Andrews Trillion Trophy Stadium, I think was what it was called, or the Trillion Trophy Asia Stadium, I can't remember. Uh, sounds terrible, because it is. Uh, but Blues, so they put a statement out this week saying, Birmingham City announces naming rights partnership with Knighthead. Blues Stadium to be renamed St Andrews at Knighthead Park, and the at is literally like a like an like on your computer, like a on your keyboard, like yeah. an at. Um, on the absolute surface, sounds like oh, not again. One of these like, it's like when St James's Park was renamed the Sports Direct Arena and all that. Yeah, not not all. This is very positive news. It sounds like so. Just going to read you a little bit of the statement. Birmingham City is pleased to announce it's entered into a multi-million pound, multi-year naming rights agreement with Shelby Companies Limited, uh, which is majority owned by Knighthead Annuity and Life Assurance Company and certain other minority investors, including Tom Brady, collectively known as Knighthead. It is the largest commercial agreement in the club's history. Then it goes on to say, under the terms of the deal, the club's stadium and the training ground at West Hills will be renamed under the Nighthead branding and a new fan entertainment zone at Nighthead Park will be built, situated on club-owned land close to the Tilton and main stand. So it says the renamed stadium, ground and fan zone will launch by the end of this season. And the value of the agreement is based on an annual sponsorship fee 
uh, men's first team performance related bonus and a club wide social media performance related bonus. And it says by the end from uh, between the deal going through and the end of this season, the value of this could reach over six million pounds for this season. And in the first full year of the partnership, the value could reach close to 10 million pounds. And the statement goes on to say how they're looking to make this the center of like a sports quarter in Birmingham, which kind of matches what the club have said, what the new owners have said so far. This isn't just about investing in Birmingham City Football Club. This is about investing in the city as a, you know, making Birmingham and the city a much closer entity again, which obviously has not been the case over the last few years. All the clubs have actually been very dif- uh, distant and almost forgotten about really in, in kind of the culture of Birmingham locally, I think, other than like the fans themselves. So I hope that wasn't like information overload for you. I think what I'm saying essentially is it's a way of investing a load of money into the into the club without breaking FFP regulations. The naming thing, they've come out, the big difference is to obviously St. Andrews at Nighthead Park. No one's going to call it that. You know, it's just going to be St. No, Andrews. No. Doesn't sound as stupid as Trillion Trophy Arena or whatever it was. And they've at least come out and explained why it's, it's very clear why they're doing it. So like, yeah, it's essentially a way to invest money in the club, stabilize the club financially and invest it in other areas. So it should be a really exciting thing. And I think the way they're talking about kind of making Birmingham this like sports quarter, it says the ambition for the sports quarter is to create a globally recognizable sporting and entertainment location, a beacon of excellence, providing the world's greatest athletes and performers, a platform to showcase their talents recreational mixed use and other space will be developed for the enjoyment and benefit of the local community. Sounds fantastic. That is obviously we don't, that's still a bit vague. We don't know the exact details, but that's kind of all we need at this point to be excited about it. And it's things like this that I think are making people so excited about the next five, 10 years at blues all being well. Um, And I think even uh, uh, not to put words in your mouth, but like even as a Villa fan, you must think, things like that for like the local community and stuff. It's great to see like investment in these things, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's, it's like what we said um, when there was the rumors about the new stadium the other week, you know, you're talking about the being able to host NFL Villa Park will never host American football. And mm. to be honest, I don't want them to, because they'll just tear the pitch to pieces. Sure. Um, but, but like, if you say you take Tottenham stadium, they have a separate pitch for the NFL and they swap Built the pitches it, over. Yeah. 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 So, you know, if it's all good for the city and, and, you know, the city needs the two clubs to be playing each other at, at least every couple of years, you know? Mm. Yeah. Competition is, is healthy. Um, but yeah, it all sounds really exciting. I'm sure we'll have more details come out uh, over the ne- the coming months and years, but um, yeah, really exciting. So, uh, uh, you know, the largest commercial agreement in the club's history, making really positive steps. So yeah, something to keep an eye on as well. Very exciting. So this week's matches, Dan, uh, should we do Villa first or do you want to do Blues first? Uh, I don't mind. Um, I don't mind. Who, who are you playing this weekend? So we've got Sheffield United on Saturday. With the late kickoff on Saturday, Sheffield United. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it this week. So, Oh, really? Are you watching uh, the Traitors again? No, the trade is finished. Oh my god, that was <laughs> okay. amazing. Um, no, so I'm going on holiday on Saturday. So, oh, you are, yes. Uh, I, I will be in Austria, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have to try and find a bar in this small village in the middle of uh, the Austrian <laughs> Alps to see. Are you showing Sheffield United versus Aston Villa? <laughs> well, um, 
it sounds like a good dilemma to have to be fair um yeah what are you expecting i'm just trying to think um that like our record at bramwell lane isn't great really um i'm trying to think of the last few times we've been there um we've lost our last three there i think if memory serves so we lost one nil the last time we played them the year sheffield united got relegated david mcgoldrick scored the only goal um the time before that we lost two nil i think i think it was a, a lundstrom and fleck i think and jack Grealish hit the bar with a penalty uh, and then the time before that under brucey we got smashed 4-1 uh, in the promotion season. So, uh, but the time before that, Robert Snodgrass, who's just retired, um, scored an absolute worldie in like the 87th minute. Unreal goal. Um, so it's not been a happy hunting ground for us, really, Bramwell Lane. Um, and obviously, Sheffield United are not great at the moment, and they're probably going to go down. Um, although they have picked up a little bit in recent months. Not enough to stay in the league, but not as bad to get embarrassed like they were going yeah, to. Yeah, it's not going to be like a um, record low or anything. No, no. But I think we're looking a bit more solid defensively. And I think, you know, I know we should have really beaten them at Villa Park and it just never really happened. But I think we'll find a way to win this time. I don't think it'd be by much. It'd be a 1-0 or a 2-0 at most. Uh, I'd be amazed if we did a Newcastle and rocked up and put eight past them, I'll be honest. Um but I think it'll be close. I, a, a draw wouldn't surprise me, but I, I will back us to get a win, I think. Fair enough. You'll have to come up against the uh, the rock, Austin Trusty. Uh, it should be interesting. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, we've actually got one of our bigger games of the season. Uh, we've got West Brom away. Um, yeah, our derby, obviously, without Villa being in the league, our, for me, West Brom is our... In my opinion, West Brom is our next biggest rival. I know a lot of people would say Wolves, but for me personally, I think West Brom's a bigger deal. Um, obviously, they lost. We're recording this on Sunday. They lost today against Wolves, and um, I kind of hope that's like them, like their energy really knocked out of them. I hope that game has just taken so much out of them because it was obviously a very feisty game, and obviously there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, maybe a bit faint praise, I guess, in a way because they've got nearly a week to recover from it. But you know what I mean. Hopefully that Wolves game, they've just put so much into that. Um, they've been a bit hit and miss in the new year in general, um, but they are still in the playoff positions for a reason. They have had a really good um, run on the whole. Carlos Corbran's doing a much better job there than I expected. I thought Baggies would really drop off yeah. like as the years roll on without them getting promoted. So going to be really tough. The weird thing for me is the game's on at three o'clock on the Saturday, not being televised. I um, thought this. This, this so... is like norm normally a Sky Sports staple. Yeah, and like even if they don't televise it, I remember there was one where Lyle Taylor scored and they didn't televise it, but they still moved it to like the Sunday and it made it a lot easier for me to get to and stuff. Um, so yeah, a bit strange. Not really sure what's going on there. But um, yeah, hopefully... We played so well against Leicester despite the result. I, I do think we'll score. I think a score draw probably on the cards. I'm going to say 2-2, two, two, I think. I think they are there to be got at. Um, yeah, I'm going to say 2-2. Two, two. And actually, uh, as well as... Um, obviously getting my opinion on on the upcoming Blues Baggies derby. Uh, we're actually going to get uh, a view from the other side of the tracks. We've got friend of the podcast here, uh, James, who's a lifelong Baggies season ticket holder, follows Baggies home and away. And he's just going to give us his quick thoughts on what he expects of that game and on Baggies season so far from his perspective. So here it is. Hi, lads. Just a quick one as we look forward to the Albion Blues game at the weekend. Um 
uh, quick summary from the Albion point of view, I guess. Um, we've had a really positive start, in my opinion, under Corboran. Uh, sitting fifth at the moment. Some way off top four, though, uh, which is mostly due to, I think, poor away form. Uh, at home, though, we're pretty strong. Uh, I believe we've only lost twice so far and this in the league this season at home, not including today's uh, Black Country derby. Uh, miss, I think we'll probably be missing quite a few players for the weekend. Um, some still at the African Cup of Nations. Uh, we've got quite a few injuries, especially in the sort of the forward and midfield areas. Um, I doubt we'll see the lads from the African Cup of Nations back before the Blues game. Uh, we have just signed a new striker, Callum Marshall. I don't really know much about him from West Ham. We have been crying out for some more help up front as it's just been Thomas Asante on his own pretty much the whole season due to injuries. We do have a pretty poor conversion rate despite having some good like um, attacking midfielder attacking midfielders like um, John Swift and Jed Wallace and Grady Dean Garner, who is at the African Cup of Nations. Um, so we've had a really p poor conversion rate this season. So hopefully he can hit the ground running. Um, I suspect he'll make his debut from the bench. Um, we are actually really strong at the back, though. Alex Palmer and Cedric Kipre are sort of standout players. Uh, he's struck a real good partnership with Kyle Bartley as well. Uh, I think we've got the most clean sheets in the league so far this season. Um, with regard to the game, I'm pretty confident of a result with it being at home. We we don't tend to give much away at home under Corbran. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Blues set up and approach it under Tony Mowbray. Obviously, we know a lot about Tony Mowbray now at the Hawthorns. Um, he's fought very highly of as well. You know, it was one of the most expansive and fun teams I've followed when he was our manager, um, winning the championship. Uh, we did get relegated, but, you know, every week we would go and dominate teams. And again, if we'd have had probably another striker in that Premier League season, it might have ended differently. But yeah, Tony Mowbray is a great manager and he, I'm sure he'll do a brilliant job at Blues, to be fair. Wicked stuff. Thank nice. you very much, James. Cool, yeah. Cheers, James. Thanks for that, mate. Um, Lovely stuff. I think that probably wraps us up this week, Dan. It feels like it's been a bit of a, a shorter one today. Sure, I suppose some of our episodes are like we have to edit them down from like, an <laughs> yeah. hour plus. But um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening, though. And as Callum mentioned there, he's off to uh, the... He's going to be stuck in the Alps with no signal, probably. <laughs> um, so we're actually doing something a little bit different next week. Uh, we're going to pre-record and do something a bit different. But absolutely tune in. Should be really good. Give us a like, subscribe if you're new, five-star reviews, the the whole lot. Uh, go check out, uh, if you're on YouTube, look at the YouTube shorts. There's a few on there. They're just clips of the podcast, but there's some slightly different ones on there. Or, or go and view our TikToks as well. There's Go join the family over there. Yeah, and you can find us everywhere with the handle at Second City Pod. That's 2ND City Pod. Lovely stuff. Until next week, Dan, up the villa. Shit on the villa. Keep right on. See you next time, dude.